0: riley your beard is getting marvelous i i'm really i'm really trying just for you clark well i'm glad you're trying somewhere you know yeah. that's uh, nice i just want
1: to input that i have a bigger beard than riley right now so oh uh, seriously wow more more frizzy <laughs> it sticks it sticks straight out from your face maybe in volume yours is bigger but
0: yeah. <laughs> i'm just gonna stay out of this one uh <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Into the Echo. <laughs> In this podcast, my buddy Riley and I, uh, we talk about the music that we love. Hey, guys. That's Riley. <laughs> uh, sometimes we bring on guests, like uh, this guy over here.
1: Hey, guys. Uh, it's Seamus again, if you listen back to the uh, Gorillas one. Thanks for having me on the, uh, the Alt-J podcast. Appreciate
0: it. <laughs> a little throwback yeah. Yeah, to thanks. long time listeners
2: yeah thanks for thanks for having me too clark that was great yeah, yeah
0: it's nice to yeah. finally have you back on the show after you know you left me for so long i know i'm sorry i abandoned you
2: it's no good but you i noticed that you did take every opportunity to um to berate me with any number of comments mm-hmm, that i couldn't mm-hmm. defend myself against that's that's a sign of a true gentleman
0: yeah, I mean, you already yelled at me about it uh, on the, on the Shaggin' Sons oh, episode. Oh, I did. Oh, let's... I,
2: I don't know if I want to remember <laughs> recording that, but I do remember <laughs> recording that.
0: Yeah, uh, for those of you who haven't listened to our previous episode, <laughs> so as you know, uh, we, we drink when we <laughs> record this podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, Riley really took that, yeah, literally. Tell, tell me more about what I did. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it yourself if you want, no, but I, I don't, I don't think Riley I mean, remembers. It. Let's just say uh, I I edited you repeating yourself out like so many times. Um... I just put
2: an empty glass and a bottle of <laughs> wine on my desk, and Jesus, decided that, that was a good idea. So what are you uh, what are you
0: drinking tonight? Really? <laughs> um, allow me to read
2: the full title <laughs> of my beer this evening. All right. Um, it is the Teddy Roosevelt American Badass Imperial Wheat IPA aged in oak from Meadowlark Brewing. Uh, it is, the can is decorated with a kind of what you would describe as a pimped out El Camino uh, with Teddy Roosevelt riding in the back uh, and a grizzly bear driving. Uh, it's pretty fucking awesome. I should put a link
0: to that in the show notes. Is... That should be our show art for this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: That's a good idea. It's, yeah, Metal Ark Brewing out of Sydney, Montana. Mm. Um, it's I think it's a new new thing. Nice. Um, yeah, it's really good. I've never had a wheat IPA before. That sounds amazing. It's great.
0: Yeah. What about you? Who, me?
2: Do you have like, uh, yeah, you, I'm guessing like some sort of like rosé peach <laughs> cider or
3: something <laughs>
0: like that? No, I actually picked one. Um, I was at the local small little grocery store by my house, and I'm like, I need to get something that's relevant to our episode today. Uh, we're Yeah, oh, it's a yes. Nine Inch Nails episode. It's our first one where we talk about Nine Inch Nails. Woohoo First yeah. one. Uh. We're talking about with teeth. So I'm like, okay, anything dental-related, anything <laughs> That's right. Nine Inch, inch Nails-related.
2: Yeah. So, and, then, and then Clark went home with Coors Light and
0: Dental Dam. Uh, nope. Uh, I was looking, and I was going to get the Bent Nail IPA out of Red Lodge. Ah, yes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, I'm not really feeling an IPA. I don't want everybody to hear me, like, pucker throughout the whole episode as I drink this IPA. Yeah. Uh, so instead I went with the White Noise Hefeweizen. Yeah, oh, so white noise, uh-huh. uh, which I think Fitting. definitely fits certain aspects of this element. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's somewhat relevant. Yeah, yeah, uh
2: huh. Yeah, we have plenty of plenty of white noise mm-hmm. going on uh, in a few of these songs. Yeah, which we'll get into
1: later. But uh, Seamus, so, what do you got? Unlike Clark, I did go with an IPA. Um, Ooh, and chances okay. are you're gonna hear me, hear me audibly shuddering at some point, uh, so I made a pretty big mistake <laughs> I went with the uh, I mean, I'm sure people love this one but it's uh, Ballast Point Brewing, which makes some pretty tasty IPAs um, but I decided to try their Watermelon Dorado or Dorado, however the fish is pronounced um, it tastes like I imagine Watermelon cough syrup would taste like so it's,
0: oh, you know, God, it's going down good. smooth right now so <laughs> that's gonna be so bad when it's warm man yeah it's also 10 oh, so. percent. so you can't even just chug it no no so i may be pulling oh, a riley here within an hour or so uh that sounds like an adventure i just
2: i want to take this moment to uh listeners who made it through our last episode i i do thank you for sticking through it um that was a an interesting adventure through many different uh, genres and uh, many different glasses of wine. Uh, <laughs> it was super fun. I had a blast. I had a blast, and I felt like a champion the next morning. Um, but I, I, I think we have potential for a volume two of that of that playlist episode because. I I feel like we left a lot of stones unturned. Uh, there's there's got to be a sexual innuendo there. I just can't mm, think of it mm. right now. Um <laughs> we just need to turn them
1: over real slow. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> just just dig in real deep. <laughs> yep, exactly.
2: But I I promise uh I promise to keep my wits about me and uh from here on out.
0: <laughs> yeah even though i don't think that's the point of this <laughs> no it's not that's that's part of the adventure and as soon as i heard the constant refilling of the glass i'm like all right here we go <laughs> so we're getting it's in the description stuff. you know uh but yeah. also thanks again everybody for your feedback for your suggestions of songs except for ryan screw you um yeah that was yeah. terrible but this episode, uh, I'm going to try and mix it up a little bit. I, we've been going a long time um, without playing songs in some of our episodes. So I'm going to try and get some songs, like, right away before we just, like, get into song number one. So, Riley, what song do you think people need to hear from this album? Like, what's a chorus or a verse or, like, just just what's a good little glimpse of what With Teeth is all about?
2: Sure, sure. Um, I would say... Uh... I don't know. It depends. This, this album represents so many different styles of Nine Inch Nails, Mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, I know, I don't know. I know a little bit about Nine Inch Nails. I have a few (laughs) other albums, um, (laughs) understatement of the year. All right. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, it's kind of like Seamus and I have had this conversation before, um, about which song do you show somebody that wants to know what Nine Inch Nails is all about? Mm. Uh, unfortunately it's not from this album. Mm so i won't even bring it up cuz that's for that's for Ooh, later good tease so, nice job buddy i think <laughs> i think the i think the sound kind of that that transpires through this whole album would be um, would come from the actually the first track uh, all the love in the world uh, at right about 3 minutes in it's kind of it finally starts to break down a little bit A lot of what Nine Inch Nails is about, uh, and what he's Trent Reznor is is he in this case. From here forth, he shall be known as he. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, w- like what it, what he's done as far as a, a direction for the music in this uh, in this album, because I, I could talk forever about this album to be honest. But um, so this is his first sober album, um, as many of you. N- that know anything about Nine Inch Nails is that uh, their early early 90s, mid-90s, anything before the 2005, 2004 era was fairly heroin-induced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is his first time around doing a studio album um, sober, and that happens to be the subject of uh, pretty much every one of these songs is, is a conversation with himself, basically, about... The road to sobriety and the struggles therein, but anyway, um, I think that that little section of the tu- of the first song really kind of gives you a good feel for for what's coming. Um, it's also fairly palatable for those that don't enjoy Nine mm-hmm. very much. Um, the The first song is it's got some great little ins and outs, and it's got some great uh, what I describe as Resnarian piano. Resnarian.
3: Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic.
2: Just it's very very uh the piano in it is just so I mean, you could hear that you could hear that on any track and realize that it's Trent playing the piano. I, I don't know. It just I think it's got a lot going on. Yeah. I what I I mean I know Seamus, this is one of your favorite albums. It is. Um, um
1: and that's an interesting question. Um I think if I were to pick, you know, one song that kind of encapsulates the album, so to speak Uh, I would pick the hand that feeds. The reason I picked that one, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's fairly safe in terms of it's pretty much just a traditional rock song. Um, But I also Mm -hmm. think that kind of represents this album as a whole. Um, Trent's kind of moved into uh, maybe not safer waters, but more well-known waters here. Um, Songs on it aren't Mm -hmm. quite as weird, though you do get a couple interesting takes um but as a whole it's it's (laughs) it's more uh palatable to i think a a bigger audience than say the fragile or downward spiral was um kind of moving away from that industrial sound that he started off with uh still very prevalent but um not as omniscient as it was in past albums
2: yeah oh yeah for sure this is Mm -hmm. a very rocky album and even i mean even he said that this is what I mean, that's kind of the direction he wanted to go with this album was a more rock-based, um, which initially this was supposed to be a concept album. Um, he wanted it to, like, he wanted it to, the theme of the album to be, you know, if you had fallen into a a dream or basically a, like a, a nightmare, in his case, of addiction and not being able to wake up from it, um, like what that would be, and each song was going to deal with a different, stage of trying to get out of that Mm. um but he scrapped that whole idea because he wanted each song to kind of function on its own um because he didn't you know he's he does have a concept actually the following studio album year zero in 2007 was a concept album um in my mind anyway (laughs) and uh but this one he wanted each song to kind of function on its own but still complement each other and still kind of tell a story overall but I think he kind of nailed that. Um, and one more, one more little tidbit that I thought was pretty cool: um, that this album was originally titled "Bleed Through," Oh. all one word. Uh, and he had he had his producer actually draw up some art for it, and it was ready to go but he didn't want people thinking of blood or a tampon commercial
0: when when the album came out. So he changed it to with teeth. That's probably a good call though. I could see uh, the album art for it just being red instead of, you know, the shades of blue, it could just be shades of red and it would still work. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's fairly interesting. It's, it's
0: white and blue and red. Yeah. It's kind of what you would imagine. So when you mentioned that this song tries to go a little bit more towards the rock angle, Uh, I found that to be most true with the um, lead single that you mentioned, Seamus, The Hand That Feeds, though I was wondering, I was listening to the lyrics of The Hand That Feeds, and of course I've heard it before, you know, it it topped number one on Billboard 200, it's a very popular song, the music video was on MTV forever. Uh, Mm -hmm. but how does the hand that feeds, how does that tie into addiction? Because in my mind, it sounds more like, uh, like religious politics where he's like, are you just sheep in society? Uh, I guess I just don't understand how that, Yeah,
2: no, uh, that's, I think, I think that's the cool part about that song. Um, it being one of three singles off of this album actually, um, which is a fairly single heavy album, uh, hand that feeds only. And every day is exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, we're all featured as singles. But um, I think I mean what I got from as soon as I took that angle on this album, I kind of thought of it as him asking himself, "Will he fight back against this substance that's feeding him everything he knows about life and how to function and how to be?" Um, because I mean, at at like earlier in his life. He had completely relied on substances to get him through his day-to-day, and he's now at a point, a breaking point, where he needs to fight against that. Hmm. So I think he's asking himself if he's strong enough to fight against that.
1: Well, so I have a completely different take on the song than maybe you two do. Um, I was always under the impression that this album came out in, what, 2005? 2005? Yep. Um, 2005, yeah. Yeah. This is post-September 11. I was under the impression that this was kind of a anti-Iraq war deal, um, particularly with oh. the lyrics, you know, what if this whole crusade is a charade? Behind it all, there's a price to be paid.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's pretty damning.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that, and that's that's my take on it as well, but I'm try, trying to kind of help fit it into the the addiction format that seems to be prevalent Mm -hmm. in other songs you know when i was 14 13 and first hearing this album that's absolutely what i wanted to get from it
0: it's like yeah fuck iraq man
2: (laughs) not fuck iraq sorry sorry guys
0: country just just (laughs) screw that whole country and then isis started listening to our podcast um I also noticed on this album, it switches a lot between uh, the different versions of Trent. And that happens through oh, yeah. uh, different instrumentation. Like, On the Hand That Feeds, that is pretty much nothing but strict rock instrumentation um, with your mm-hmm. standard 4-4 four, four time. But then you'll get to, like, song number two, um, You Know What You Are. That is, <laughs> yeah, it still uses rock instrumentation, but those drums are violent. And it starts right off the and, bat. And then we get all of that... Um, very distorted, more industrial sound. We see him just kind of switch back and forth between the first song, second song, third song, fourth song. It just switches. And we all know who did the drums for. You know what you are, right? Shit, man, I don't know. Dave Grohl. Oh, seriously? Dave Grohl,
1: Foo Fighters. Yeah. Dave
0: Grohl of Nirvana mm-hmm. and the Foo Fighters. For those of you don't mm-hmm. know, wow, because those drums are beastly. Like that is. Yeah. Most of my notes about that He's... song are just like drums, 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 drums. He's kind of a beast. Yeah,
2: um yeah. He did. He did the drums on uh, a number of tracks on this. On this album, but it's very fairly prevalent. It's I like that he that Trent
0: kind of features the drums on that track. Yeah, uh you know what you are, and really Trent's mastery of different instrumentation is very impressive. I don't know if he plays all of them. He's got to at least play the piano oh, because he has his he, own trademark. Yeah, sound. he plays all of them. Okay, even the yeah, tambourine in track number oh, one. Absolutely,
2: yes. Yeah, have you? I mean, Seamus and I have both seen Ninja Snails live a number of times, and every single time he plays the tambourine a dozen times. That is manly as was, fuck. I never thought I would
0: enjoy live tambourine, but he, he somehow figured out how to make it interesting. I was wondering, okay, so song number one, All the Love in the World, you mentioned that that's Mm -hmm. one of, like, the kind of standout, or not standout, but, like, representative songs on the album. Am I the Mm -hmm. only one who thinks at that spot you were talking about, the 3.30 part? Mm -hmm. I was half expecting, like, a choir to come in. It seems like it just, yeah, it changes up. It's almost ripe for it. Yeah, it changes up so much, and I can almost, like, expect to hear, like, clapping starting and him to have more of, like, an echo going. It was really, uh, I was not expecting that, um... From a Nine Inch Nails album. Even though I've yeah. I've listened to this album several times and with you I've listened to it a bunch of times. But when I went back, you know, to really study it and to study the instrumentation, I got to this part and I'm like, wow, this is really upbeat for like yeah. an addict that makes industrial music. Or an ex addict.
2: I know, yeah. It's that's why that's why I kinda picked it, because I feel like it kinda represents the slight difference in direction that he's going with this album. Um I mean I think I think another track that really falls into that, I don't know, I don't know if it fall it doesn't fall into that lighthearted kind of sense, but the title track is, is such an interesting mix of... I would
1: not describe with teeth as
2: lighthearted by any means, but yes.
3: (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah,
2: me either. But like, it's just an interesting mix of like his newer kind of approach to his music, which is a little simpler, a little more... um, some like some basic rock elements, but it's also got that very industrial feel behind it, um, especially right off the bat. You know, you get the very distinct slow drums and right into some, you know, traditional Nine Inch Nails distorted guitar. And that, it all sounds, I mean, it all sounds like a rock song, but it's got that over, overtone of industrial roots that he's got, you know? So I think it's a, that's a good hybrid between his newer sound and, and what the old fans are looking for. we've been
1: talking about all these strong drum sounds and it's kind of occurred to me that there's maybe only a handful of songs on this album that doesn't open with a strong drum beat, um. The two I can think of are yeah. uh, Every Day uh everyday's exactly the same and uh hand Up feeds cuz that's a guitar and everyday exactly the same as piano. I think the rest of them
2: Beside, beside you in time is all just yeah. the drone. Let's talk about Beside You in Time.
0: Um yeah, let's let's do that. Do I mean do we have another hour and a half? <laughs> so what what part of the song really sells you on it?
1: Oh god. Yeah. I mean Samus, do you want to take this first? For me the thing I love most about the song is probably its most simplistic thing is just that constant. I don't know what kind of drum or instrument it is in the background, the percussion, just the chick, yeah. And it's constant throughout the entire mm-hmm. song, even with the crescendo and all that. <laughs> that it's one of the better songs to run to uh, when I'm running, just because it is that constant beat throughout yeah. the entire thing. Um, besides that, it's I think it's the most unique song on the album. Um, just with the use of that weird yeah. droning noise. Uh, Trent kind of uses his voice as an instrument in this song more than any of the other songs on the album. By that, I mean... Mm. Nah. I know the lyrics, but it's not something, it's not a song I really sing along to. I just kind of take him, you know, he's working in Cherto with the drums mm-hmm. and the weird droning noise. Uh, I don't know. It's a great song.
0: And I, I like that when you're talking about Trent using his voice as an instrument, there are a few moments in the album where he does this. And um, like one instance is it back to the second song, All the Love in the World. Wait. Uh, you know who you are. He does uh, the distorted vocals, um, and I think he does the he distorts his vocals through his guitar, where he like has the tube in his mouth and he's playing the guitar with the distortion through the guitar. And then I think for this, um, he also distorts his voice through the piano. So he'll distort his voice through several different means, and it ends up sounding really different based on kind of the song and what it calls for.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Beside, I back to beside you in time. Um, this this vies for my favorite Nine Inch Nails song of all time with, with a couple really? of these regularly, depending on, depending on my mood. Um, but I, 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 for the same reasons Seamus mentioned earlier about just how unique it is in their catalog. Um, and the fact that they named their following tour after this song, hmm. um, the Beside You In Time tour of like 2006, 2007, because he talks about how, you know, regardless of what happens, he's going to be beside you in time. You know, your like physical existence and your ethereal existence or whatever is are two separate experiences, and you're always going to be following this person, whoever. I mean, you could you could attach it to a parent or a loved one or whatever, um, but you're going to be together forever, uh, regardless. And it, it just fits with all the background music going on, all the very subtle ambient sounds um, and like Seamus said that that kind of driving beat that goes through the whole thing is it's like I don't know I think the whole thing feels
0: symbolic I mean the last uh words of the first verse, it says, uh, feel the little pieces bleeding through, yeah, it's like
2: it's like this yeah, it's like this other. Whoever is following you, whoever's beside you in time, whoever like, however you you interpret mm-hmm. that, they're kind of like bleeding into your life. That that like, if if you're still, you know, on Earth in the world of the living, like they're
1: finding a way to bleed into that yeah. existence. Yeah, it's like you know, smelling cookies that your grandma used to make mm-hmm. like yeah. for you exactly, kind of and then she comes back for mm-hmm. like for that yeah. moment.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think it's just—it's such a beautiful way to put that. It's weird that he chose bleeding through, though. Like usually, yeah. you'd be like,
2: oh. "Well, is it is it weird or is it very Risnerian? Mm,
0: I think it's very visceral.
2: <laughs> 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 Listeners, if you if you
0: Google our podcast, uh, top number one word that will show up is visceral, yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> Clark hates it. I no, love it. I like it, and you use it well. It's just we listen to a lot of songs that are visceral, so it just comes up a lot.
2: Yeah, and this is this is no exception. This entire album. <laughs>
1: is visceral um I wanted to know what the uh how we were using visceral here what do you mean by visceral um you know like like being exposed
2: to like songs that make you that expose you to parts of yourself that you didn't know you had and you're like, oh, what the fuck mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. you know like that you get that initial kind of retraction from from what you uh what you're seeing or feeling or hearing um i don't know that's that's how i've interpreted it that's how i've redefined it and adapted it into my own life
0: <laughs> so i guess we should probably talk about the song um getting smaller can we talk about that
2: oh god yes speaking oh. of visceral songs <laughs> and the lyrics that are visceral <laughs>
0: this
2: is so good this song's so fucking so good so i was just gonna
0: play the first like 30 seconds of this song just so oh, we yeah. can all laugh about it and laugh about the same things Right away Trent is coming on and it's angry Trent, but it's almost like yeah. such angry Trent that it's funny when he does like the flip flop. flop, yeah, that, flop. that is the best I don't even know. That's was the best fucking part. But this song uh it's very it's very yelly, it's very aggressive and loud. Uh, it's yeah. So it's, good. it's
2: that it's that kind of like I love it because it's kind of that punk rock anger. Yeah, you know, yeah. that anger that's that's funny. It's like all those all those punk rock bands. That we're playing like I'm not gonna say visceral. Don't say visceral. Don't say visceral. (laughs) Uh, All that like super edgy, angry punk rock was almost like it's like almost party music. You know, it's like it's got that fun side. Yeah,
0: it's so it's so yeah, punk and aggressive and anti-establishment that it's almost a joke on itself. Yeah, yeah. And Beastie Boys definitely towed that line a lot, for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then this is no exception. It follows in that same vein. And, I mean, lyrically, this song is is one that I relate with a lot on this album for being about addiction. Mm-hmm. You relate you know? with your arms flip-flopping? Yeah, I just... I, I just really that's how I walk these days. I just kind of, like, flop my arms around. And good thing my head is on a spring because then it gets out of the way. <laughs> um, no, I just, like, it's... He's talking about this whole song feels like he's... You know, he's feeling very underwhelmed with his position in the world. He's completely disenchanted with his ability to have power over anything that happens. And the only way he can, you know, the only way he can exist physically is to be a masochist, basically, is what he's getting at, I think. It's funny that this is the last album that was ever released under the label uh, Nothing Records, which was his creation with um, John Malm. Mm -hmm. Um, he and John Malm got together and created this record company, Nothing Records. Um, signed Marilyn Manson um, and produced his his first few albums, uh, and then ended up. Uh, turns out that John Malm was a big douchebag and uh, said that said that Trent broke all the contracts that they created and he and that Trent owed him a bunch of money for all this stuff that he was supposed to produce but never did uh turned out that he was just like basically extorting people for money and Trent countersued him and uh and won uh because they discovered that John Malm had basically disobeyed everything that was in the contract and was trying to convince people otherwise but anyway uh so this song was after all that had happened but uh Trent agreed to put the Nothing Records label on this. Mm. So this is the last studio album that had the Nothing Records label on it. Um, uh, the following DVD for the tour, the Beside You in Time tour, also had the Nothing Records label on it, but that was the last physical piece that had it. Um, it's But it doesn't sound like it sounds so well put together. Usually, I, I don't know, I feel like when I've heard albums before that are in these kind of like, like the Deftones album, um, uh, Saturday Night Wrist, when they were about to give up on everything. And everybody hated everybody. It's kind of Mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really like that album that much. They don't like like, the album that (laughs) much. No. (laughs) Because they didn't like each other. (laughs) And I feel like it's the same kind of thing here. Like there's just a lot of turmoil around this album, but they fucking nailed it. Mm -hmm they like they embraced every part of what was going on with addiction and you know and um disagreeing on contract labels and all that kind of stuff contract labels are now a thing i just came up contract with contract labels um, maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think they i think they just did it. they came out of what could have been a terrible album and came out with something awesome
1: well uh, i think this album is their best-selling album all time if i'm not mistaken um though something might have crept up on it uh Uh, hmm. and i think largely in a part two three of the singles which are hand that feeds every day is exactly the same and only um getting a lot of radio play hell i remember playing the hand that feeds on guitar hero oh yeah high school um and last week yeah, and that rockier noise. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to kind of talk about "Every Day" is exactly the same because it's personally sure. one of my favorites on the album. And Riley, I know you do not like the song. Really? Um, I think you've told me that it's like one of your least favorite. Oh, songs. you haven't told me, Riley.
2: Yeah. Uh, tell me what's up. Okay, "Every Day" is exactly the same. It feels like a single, which is fine. And I know that those that they need to have those, and and I'm okay with that. I'm. I have. I've gotten over my breakup with every day is exactly the same <laughs> we've both moved on um and we're both in better places because of it but it's just it's it's not it's kind of lackluster compared to a lot of the other tracks on this album
1: I need to dispute you on it not having that Nine Inch Nails sheen uh, and just point out that it opens with a distorted Trent Reznor screaming in the background so I don't know what other Nine Inch Nails sheen there is but that's star of quality as far as I'm concerned and then there is the Reznorian piano sound
0: and it does even reference Bleeding Through in the final uh, verse so it it, it does tie into the album as a whole Fuck you guys! Stop making sense. Okay, fine. I get your points.
2: I, I they they're great points. It is, it's a very well formulated song that fits well with the album, and it's got lots of great Nine of Nails things in it. I just don't like it.
0: I just don't like it. So fuck you. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm curious about, Seamus, when you say that every every day is exactly the same as your favorite song, do you feel? like you've been in the same place that Trent was when he wrote this song, where it's like every day really does become a blur.
1: Yeah, so uh, it's not my favorite song on the album. That song is Sunspots, which we'll have to talk about Oh, yeah, we'll later, get there. Yeah, we're reserving cool. the last two hours. <laughs> yeah, fantastic song. Yeah, this is a five-hour episode, yeah, by yeah. the way, <laughs> people. But I think lyrically, every day is exactly the same as my favorite song, um, for those reasons you described, where I can, I can honestly relate um, with just... I can believe I can see the future as I repeat the same routine. Um, I've been a server for the last, what, four or five years. Yeah. Being a server yeah. is not that mentally stimulating for those who have not done it. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it does feel very rote, very routine. Um, I can kind of sympathize with Trent. Uh, I think... I don't know. I I, I don't think Trent is a, a lyrical genius, um, but I do think he can hit the nail on its head uh pretty frequently um in terms of speaking to that pathos and a lot of people dealing with depression or addiction or just the same old bullshit job every day um i think they can relate to this song
2: yeah no i i i absolutely i see that for sure and i've i've been in this like there there have been times where this song has really spoken to me um and and for those reasons exactly, I mean it, it's it's just a very relatable song because I feel like we all go through something that's like this.
0: I, I think that same kind of mindset of nothingness it's reflected again in "Right Where It Belongs," which I, have we talked about this yet? Oh God, are we are we are we
2: bringing this song in already? I don't know if I'm mentally prepared <laughs> to talk about how much I love this. Well, song.
0: it's very similar in theme. Where I mean, you'll hear right away. Um, Right away in verse one, you're about to hear the piano playing that comes in, and then him saying, talking about an animal in a cage. So let's listen to that real quick.
2: But then, my my favorite part of that verse that we just heard, he he talks about, you know, look at the animal in the cage that you built. Are you sure what side you're on? You know, yeah, are you sure. Yeah. Are you are you the one looking in, or are you the one looking out? You know, are you are you the one that's in control, or do you, are you you know playing into some sort of game or ruse here? I don't know. I it's it's such
0: a cool perspective to have to kind of flip everything. Yeah, and I think it speaks tremendously to his self awareness through the uh, recovery process because, like, oh, yeah. to, for him to to see what was happening in his mind at the time with such clarity and such you know oh, twenty twenty yeah. hindsight, he got there fast. It's
2: amazing. Yeah, most like addicts don't get to this point.
0: Yeah, ever. But
2: he sees it <laughs> you know, so clearly. Like, this is such a rare thing. And and then, but he composes it into such a you know such a well stated. You know, what if everything around you isn't quite as it seems? Um, it's like, you know, taking a step back from the last, however long in his life, you know, and however long in your life, however long you want to apply this to your life for, but taking a step back and realizing, you know, what if what if I'm not the shit? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> what, if, what, what if I think I'm awesome and I have done nothing good for anybody, you know? it. it it's like... I like that it asks people to challenge their place in life and what they've done. Um, and, and ask it, it blatantly asks the question, are you afraid to see, Yeah, yeah. you know, are you afraid to see what you are and what you've done and how much you don't know about yourself?
0: And strangely enough, this song relates to me. I, I guess I can't connect the dots, but um, it, it, it makes sense to me in this way. I think I talked about in the pilot episode, there is a time in my life around like two thousand. Eight, I guess 2007 2008 mm-hmm. where uh, my emotions and everything that was happening to me at the time and there was like a breakup and I moved out of a house with a bunch of roommates and it was a whole big thing but I decided I was just going to try and turn all of my um, negative emotions just down a little bit I was just going to try to turn the dial and just kind of like push those away shove them <laughs> and build a bunch of walls to kind of keep all of those negative emotions out uh, and only years later um, did I realize that that it it caused enormous problems for me because it's, it's kind of like when you're editing an audio track, and I'm the guy who edits this in case you guys don't know. So <laughs> I'm going to be the one who makes all the references to audio stuff here. But usually when you go to lower the amplitude of something um, and you see the wavelength, you, you twist the dial down and it removes both the higher and the lower part of the track. And, and it turns out that when you try and do that with your emotions, it does a very similar thing where it's like, yeah, I muted all of the negative feelings, But with that went a lot of the positive feelings. So it's like I got rid of a lot Mm -hmm. of the lows, but I could no longer feel or experience highs anymore because everything was just trapped back there. Uh, Yeah, every day was every day was exactly the same. same. (laughs) Exactly. And it took me years to recognize what I had done and and to pull that out and to be like, you know what, I... I don't want to feel these lows, and I don't want to face these things, but I I so badly need to feel these highs and need to feel alive again. So I need to kind of go through it, and you know some of those things were forced on me too, but I guess that's where that song connects. This song connects with me. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure.
2: And I mean, I, I same kind of story for me really. It's like I, I've always I've always attributed nine snails. I mean, sorry, mom and dad, but I've always attributed nine snails to teaching me how to be. yeah yeah. You know, I've, I've called on Trent and co since I was like 12 or 13 years old to, for how to deal with situations, which now that I think about it, it's kind of fucked up because I was listening to Downwards <laughs> channel then. Um, anyway, we'll get to that in a later episode. <laughs> um, but no, this, this is one of the very first Nine Channel songs that really spoke to me. You know, it really, it, it kind of. I think I was ripe for the mentality that this song pushed me into of, maybe we should question everything. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we should not be certain about anything, and maybe everything around us is an elaborate dream. You know, (laughs) not not literally because I'm not that much of an abstract person, but, you know, like maybe everything that you think is true about the world isn't, and you know who's to say that it is or isn't. You know, is it's it's all up to you, and I think that. That's the importance of this song to me, is that it pushed me in that direction. Um,
0: and I've been in that direction since. Do you have um, any special connections to this song, Seamus? I don't have the same love for it as you guys do, which is why <laughs> I've been kind
1: of quiet, because I'm trying to keep my head down. <laughs> well, <laughs> I... All right, no, that's, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. That's, we're
2: going straight back to the pilot episode here <laughs> and saying that it's just, it's amazing that, that's the thing about music, is that each song and each album and each artist can have so much different influence on different mm-hmm. people. And that's the beauty of it. It's like, yeah, we could all, like some, I'm sure there has to be somebody out there that loves Taylor Swift. <laughs> I don't. But it's somebody is, millions moved, somebody yeah, is moved by Taylor Swift like I am moved by Trent mm-hmm. Reznor, And that's great. That's great. So if you have, if you don't have much to say, that's fine.
1: Well, here's what I think. I think it's a good song in its own right. I don't think think it works as a closer for me i think what should have happened is it gets thrown back in the middle of the album somewhere and that the album should close with beside you in time it should go mm. line begins to blur home which actually isn't on the album it's a bonus track um, yeah yeah we'll talk about home um home and then beside you in time because home and beside you in the time um interact with each other very well in terms of their lyric content yeah, um, they do and just the song in general they
2: do but If you do, I mean, if you do have a version of the album that has those B sides, um, the album, I mean, it does still ends with Right Where It Belongs, but the acoustic version of it, which is even more apropos to the lyrical content, Hmm. I think, um, if you haven't heard it, it is, it is, uh, it is properly named Right Where It Belongs version two. Uh, (laughs) So you can find that. um, But yeah, the the other song Seamus is talking about is called Home. Um, this was, this was released on their B-sides, uh, the, I get, I, the UK version and the vinyl version of With Teeth have both of these songs, Home and have... Right Where Belongs version 2. Do you have uh, both of those, Riley? I do, yes. <laughs> uh... <laughs> um, and then there were also two other unreleased songs, um, The Japanese version had an additional song. It's just a remix of Hand That Feeds. Um, But there were two recorded but unreleased songs until 2009. Uh, They weren't released until 2009 uh, by the names of Non-Entity and Not So Pretty Now. Um, Fantastic songs. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Check the show notes. I hope we can find uh, YouTube links for those because uh, they are fantastic songs. They were recorded at the time of With Teeth. But they were cut from the album um, and later released on a tour sampler. Um, but they fit well with the whole motif of of with teeth. But yes, I have uh,
0: not heard those. <laughs>
2: yeah, they they're great. Non-Entity, uh, particularly I think it fits fits well with huh. with uh, the feeling of with teeth. Yeah, yeah check like... the
0: show notes for sure, guys. For yeah, sure. definitely.
2: And back to uh, right where it belongs, being the closer. I totally yeah, I I feel you there. It's it's like, I don't know, I, I I think I like it because it's such a powerful song for me. I like that it closes the album. It's like when they play live and we've seen them and they close with Hurt every time. I am totally fine with that because I fucking love that song. Yeah, And I think yeah. it's a perfect closer. But I can also see the side that, uh, like the people that want to hear something else, you know, something a little more stereotypically Nine Inch Nails or... You know something that's not quite so, quite such a downer, or I I don't know. We'll talk about hurt. Hurt needs its own episode. Um, <laughs>
0: but to to but I, I get you. But talking about um, so I agree. Right where it belongs. It the the order that you listed for how songs could have gone. I agree that that is a beautiful order and it matches a lot more like thematically with the lyrics. But the last line of the album with right where it belongs. The last line being you keep looking but you can't find the woods while you're hiding in the trees i mean that is such a good retrospective on him looking back and being like oh man like yeah you're looking for this answer but you can't do it because you're hiding with your smaller obsessions and your smaller addictions and you're just like so clasped onto something that is tiny and insignificant but it's become so big for you that you can no longer see the bigger picture
1: i think the reason why i don't have the same love for right where it belongs that you guys might is because the lyrics, to me, sound like something like a 16-year-old would write in the death. Oh. There's like, so, agony in high school. That just uh-huh. so
2: happens <laughs> to be when I connected with this song. So, that's perfect. It's a little Jaden Smith, huh? I gladly admit that that's exactly probably what I was thinking when I was 16 years old. Mm. And it's stuck with me today, so fuck it.
1: Seems really edgy as hell which is not in a so of course it's gonna be edgy but i don't
0: yeah. know yeah really, you know would you say visceral
3: <laughs> yes it's, it's very visceral
0: <laughs> so Riley, really, i'm gonna make the the j the um weakest connection to the next track ever uh you just said fuck it so now let's talk about sunspots oh sunspots yeah <laughs> oh my god
1: yes
2: yeah hold on hold on. help pause i need a beer and i need to pee so okay deal okay let's do it up
3: Hono lulu det var där jag mötte lulu fyra hoda 17 ben och fyra hoda älsket ben och 17 ben gick du med mig på vaikiki Kiki de de deare var tira Men mena dratte hono lulu för att spela hon med lulu kan jag Du är mer foturen har det dalt för dig jag alltid er dyrt nog så
2: Sunspots. sunspots 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 sunspots
0: Sunspots. okay what where did we go right there <laughs> i don't know we to the sun and back man that's what sunspots does man it just gets you in a place it does um, it takes you to special places as many
2: of you will know um this was featured on a previous episode
0: clark uh, where did this fit in with our with our whole playlist <laughs> so this is in our previous episode the songs for shaking episode uh definitely find it um secret weapon com slash echo but this was in the filthy animal category oh yes it was yes it was because <laughs> oh just you can just i
2: don't know trent's voice in this song really just it's it's all you need to hear
0: to put you in the mood let's give you a little glimpse of that voice right now
2: As much as I want to, just listen to that voice all day. Um, <laughs> let's take a different angle on okay. it this time around. Let's let's look at this song as an existential uh, kind of reflection on life, because that sounds broad enough to cover pretty much every song.
3: Yeah, you're um, gonna make me
0: pull up the
3: lyrics. That's what <laughs> I mean, I can I, see she, a she you she want
2: was, part. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope, I, I got haven't it, memorized I got it. It at this point. <laughs>
2: Seamus, I want to start with you on this one, mm-hmm. um, because I know this has always been one of your favorites. It's you convinced me that it's one of my favorites. So what what brought you there with this with this track?
1: So Sunspots is absolutely, oh man, it's either my favorite or my second favorite Nine Inch Nails song. Uh, and, and the competitor being? The competitor being La Mer, which is uh, a yes, of course. fantastic instrumental off of uh, The yeah. Fragile. But
2: That'll be no, like it's... a book on tape when
3: we do the fragile. <laughs> we'll have to do chapters.
1: Um, anyway, I don't I honestly do not know how this song just crept up on me. Um I'd listen to with teeth throughout the whole things. So, um and for a while it'd be like, alright, you know Passaggian Time only, skip the last couple or sorry, not Passaggi in Time, every day is exactly the same only, skip the last couple, listen to beside you in Time. <laughs> uh Sunspots happens to be the song. Before uh, the line begins to blur, which is mm-hmm. a decent song, it's a weird song. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic song though. Sunspots is. I think what first got me into it is just the sick bass right at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah, let's let's take a listen uh, to can that. Can we that's, listen to that that's real great quick? Stuff. Yeah, let's do that.
0: If there is resnarian piano, that is Reznarian bass, like a hundred percent, absolutely, oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: is. Um, and so that's what initially turned me on to the song, and then I started to listen to it. I well, started listening t- to the lyrics. Turned you on, huh? Oh, it turned me on <laughs> in more than one did it way, make you, you real? I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was real visceral around here for a bit. Uh, anyways, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, no. But while you're talking about visceral. You, Riley, you use the word verse roll to describe uh, verse two, which I'll yeah. play for you now, verse two, because mm-hmm. there's this beautiful line where it says, uh, peel off our skin, we're going to burn uh, what
3: we burned to the ground.
2: That's fucking awesome. Like, oh my God, talk about... Talk about like, I'm not going to use visceral. Um, talk you about... can though. <laughs> this is incredibly this is, this is like, visceral, that yeah. is so relevant. Filling okay. off
1: your skin is the definition of visceral. Yeah. Talk <laughs>
2: about a visceral uh, imagery of like of the, I mean, the stereotypical phoenix story, basically, of like completely destroying what you were. But this is a joint. This is a joint decision with, you know, a, 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 as I as I interpret the lyrics. Um a joint decision with another person to completely just forget whatever you were, recreate yourself, perhaps have a little sex here and there (laughs) in the ashes of what you were and come back as something different. Um, I I don't know. I think that that is just like, I don't want to focus too much on that because that's not actually what I get out of this song.
1: Hmm. Um, So I think the best part of, those lyrics is the monotone way that trent sings them yeah he sings yeah, them yeah. and there's this monotone straightforward way and then he just launches into this falsetto once the chorus comes around mm-hmm. and that juxtaposition is so good and i'm no. a sucker for a good falsetto i fucking love singing falsetto oh, I, yeah. i'm a big fan um yeah but just that alone like just hitting that in your car when you're driving 70 miles an hour <laughs> on the interstate. Oh, oh man, yeah, it's, it's so How you good. can
2: how you can keep it at 70 listening to this song? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But yeah. I think I think the, I mean the most important part of this song for me, it comes like right at three minutes. The like the culmination of the whole build up, and everything, and just the lyrics that come with it. Is this when we get
1: the uh, blender noises in there?
2: yeah oh yeah, blender so much like the guitar is so crunchy that he could have just played like a a blender with a mic in it um, but let's let's just take that. a listen real quick, just to kind of how this builds up into this culminated uh ending to an outro of the song.
0: That is just a. It's not utter chaos because there's a lot of order to it, but it is definitely if if intense. you listen to the
2: if you listen to the instrumental version of this song, which he released not too long ago, he released the instrumental versions of all with teeth and the fragile songs. Mm-hmm. It does sound like chaos. Yeah, yeah. It's it's total. It's a total mess.
0: And uh, fun but, fact: and, this song, um, there is like a lullaby version of this album yeah Uh, it's so good i'll link to it yeah so good (laughs) in lullaby form is incredible especially that end part where it's just like what the hell is happening (laughs) but i think
2: i think it's so interesting for lack of a better word um (laughs) that without his voice it sounds like a total mess this outro but with his voice it sounds totally normal it sounds like it it sounds very well put together very well structured um I think that says a lot for how he can adapt his vocal style for what uh, what the instrumentation
0: is. <laughs> do you think they made an instrumental so people could do karaoke over this? <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> karaoke sounds Not spots. a bad idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. I will say uh, the closing lyrics of the song are maybe some of my favorite Nine Inch Nails lyrics oh, yeah. of all time. They give me Absolutely. chills every time I hear. Can you read those to me? So it ends with "Now I just stare into the sun. I see everything I've done." think i could have been someone but i can't stop what has begun mm-hmm. when everything's said and done there's no place left to run i think i used to be someone now i just stare into the sun
0: yeah i like that a
1: lot i like that a lot lots of uns like, but yeah damn if it's it, well
2: it. actually every line mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. line rhymes which is great it just fits with
0: uh, with like the driving force of the end of this song mm-hmm. and even though the rhyming scheme is it, like you said he's not a He's not known for his lyricism, though he does have a lot of highlights in his lyricism. Uh, it's way better than I think. The very first song, yeah, "All the Love in the World." He has this moment where he goes like, um, "Sometimes I feel so lonely. I could and and he cuts off before then, but it sounds like he's going to like rhyme it with either die or cry." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I wince a little bit every time in that song. <laughs> Somebody just, I mean.
2: If Trent, if you're listening, I would never slap you, but somebody <laughs> needed to slap you when you wrote that song.
0: Well, I lo- no, no, I love that song, especially the weird chorus. No, yeah, me the too, favorite. but, like, that lyric. That lyric, killer. it's a bad lyric. Yeah. But the Sunspot lyric, yeah, this, oh, yeah, just absolutely. all the lyrics uh, on the song.
2: Uh, do we want to, I mean, you know, we've talked about how many singles are on this album. We've we've brushed over a few of them, um, and we, we talked about every day is exactly the same. I kind of want to go into only a little bit.
1: If only sure. because... only only, has (laughs) one of the greatest music videos of all time. I fucking love that music video. It's so simplistic, but it's so good.
2: And it's such a it's such a period piece Mm -hmm. because, like, no one has those little (laughs) those little like metal pin things anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So in this hold the shape
0: of. Anyway, you. Yeah. So in the music video. Uh, for those of you who haven't watched it, I'll link it in the show notes. But the whole thing is Trent Reznor singing, but it's in the form of those like weird metal pin pads that you like. You, you put your hand so it's on. A, yeah, you, it's a whole bunch of like little pins. They're not sharp though, and there's like a glass panel. But you kind of like stick this thing on your hand, and it makes the shape of your hand or your face or whatever. Uh, and I think they stopped selling them because they are disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> but for so, like a brief like 5-year period, those were the coolest thing to just have and like dick around with. Uh yeah. hopefully not literally. Oh god. I never even thought of that. Mhm. And we um, also see uh, You just ruined my childhood. <laughs> we also see in this music video uh Trent Reznor or whatever is playing this song on a like Apple Powerbook, which at this time didn't Trent take a he had one of his songs on like an Apple commercial, didn't he, for an iPod?
1: So, fun fact: Trent is actually the creative director of Apple now, or what's his official title? Friday? Creative director of Apple Music. Yes. So it's yeah, been a also, uh, long process uh, to get there.
2: Yeah, and and another fun fact: um, as of yesterday or today, oh, he is he is the proud owner of the. Um, Apparently, there's this very popular MIDI controller that was that was discontinued a, a while ago, huh. uh, like an old school elect, electronic MIDI controller. Um, but he is the proud owner of the first reissue of it, the wow. Moog Moog M O O G. Yeah, that's Moog. Yeah, those guys are huge. Or they were. Yeah, they discontinued one of their most popular ones a, a while ago, and Trent Reznor was the first one to get his hands on the new one. Um, so there's just a picture of him looking badass with, with a new MIDI controller. Anyway, um, so back to only point. Yeah, and this is I think I mean I love this song because it fits with getting smaller, um, which is the following track. Um, in that this is a this is just a masochistic romp through Trent Reznor's <laughs> brain. Um,
0: masochistic romp. Oh, yeah. that is my next album title. <laughs> <ass. laughs> Fuck I you, Clark. That. That's my band name. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, man. Fair but, enough.
2: but really, I mean, it's like it's all about this song is all about how he's like he's created this other person to hurt himself. I mean, like there's there's really no other way to to uh, symbolize sociopathic masochism. <laughs> than like yeah. coming up with somebody to uh to hurt yourself I don't know it's it's just it's
0: it's it's very Fight Club esque
1: oh yeah absolutely so I was talking well I guess shit for lack of a better word on uh, uh right where it belongs the lyrics for being you know a teenager's these lyrics are <laughs> even like angstier than that but i fucking love them (laughs) like they're the most like (laughs) ridiculously over-the-top angsty thing i've ever heard but they're so good i (laughs) i really enjoy this song
0: Must have just found the song at the right time or something.
2: I must have, yeah. And it's it's so much more upbeat. Like this is a, like, this song regularly comes on at disco bowling. Guarantee goddamn to you <laughs> that like because it's just like it's funky. It's got that crazy little bass line, um, and just that the you know the very syncopated regular drum beat that's going on. Uh, I mean, it's it's a dance track. Like, it's. You could easily dance to this song. But then you kind of dig into the lyrics and dig into, like, the background s-
0: sounds that are going on. And you're like, oh, wait a second. This is a little darker than you'd think. Uh, this song, um, I guess, since we're talking about the lyrics, this song brings up yet again the idea of Trent not being where he should be and him being in this other place. And this, this album kind of bounces back and forth between, um, I am not where I'm supposed to be, or I'm in this place, but am I really in this place? Maybe I'm somewhere else. And And, everything's right where it belongs. And home too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like, he goes from being like, this isn't right. This isn't right at all. And then there's some resolution and then maybe, I don't know if that's why they kept home off of it originally or not, because it's, it kind of, contradicts a lot of the other songs but I don't know it makes you feel unsettled as
2: far as where you're at in this album because uh Trent's kind of asking he's asking some important questions here you know he's or like bringing up some important ideas as far as you know he's all on his own um obviously in this in this song but and he's not really sure if he's if he is where he's supposed to be and I think I mean that fits into the whole, like trying to deal with addiction thing. I think, um, mm-hmm. but it's so easily abstracted to other elements of, of people's lives. You know, always wondering if they've ended up in the right place. Uh, that's kind of the plague of, the plague of being a human. I think is always, yeah, always yeah. wondering if you made the right choices and if you made the best choices and. And I like that Trent really, like, in, in only, he really boils it down to there really is only me. You know, there's, yeah, I, that's yeah. the only person that's to blame for any of this. Um, and that he just, he's created these other people in his life just to fuck with himself, basically. Um, which I don't know. It's just, a, it's an interesting idea. Uh, it, like, I don't think it's to be. For me, I don't take it literally. Um, just in my own personal life, when I call on this song for advice, but I think that I think that's just a cool idea to play with.
0: And I know I said this about a couple other songs, but how incredible that Trent, just coming out of addiction, can already look back and have this clarity. Yeah. And I I know I said it, but it's important. Like, how does he? how can he already identify all the other voices in his head and all the things that he's created? Like that takes years of therapy usually to like take all of those little things that are whispering to you to like actually discover them much less battle and argue with them and, and minimize them. Yeah. That's incredible.
2: Yeah. Well, with a, um, in a recent interview with him, he attributed some of his, um, some of his, uh, what would you say? Ref- reformational reformational, Direction. <laughs> some of his uh some of his inspiration to get on the road to sobriety, uh he attributed that to David Bowie poor went out. Um Yeah. <laughs> seriously. All right, but he he brought it up with him um a few times about how it's easy to get lost in this kind of stuff. And I think that this just shows that Trent was born to do what he's doing, you know, like songwriting is obviously his most effective therapy um and we all get to benefit from that
3: yeah
1: and i actually that's exactly what i was thinking riley like in terms of well what clark was saying that you know it takes years of therapy i feel like he's been using his music as an outlet as his therapy yeah. um and you can yeah, kind of yeah. see him progress through agree. the stages uh, as time yeah. goes by oh for sure uh first couple albums he was in the throes of his addiction with teeth and year zero you know that was post-addiction Uh, His newest stuff, Hesitation Marks, like he's finally found his spot where he's happy. He's got a wife. He's got kids. Like he's just making music because he loves it now, not because it's Mm -hmm. an outlet for the pain. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's been a really fascinating transition to watch.
2: I think there's I think that is no small coincidence that there was six years between the fragile and with teeth. Yeah, that is a lot of time to deal with your shit. Um, there were, I mean, there were a few smaller things produced within those, within that time period. Um, like still, still was, is an EP, but it was his first actual sober recording, which if you haven't listened to that, it is visceral as fuck. Um,
0: <laughs> it is a phenomenal album. Maybe my It favorite. is. It's great. Yeah. All um, right. Uh, let's talk about any last favorite songs you want to get out. And then after that, we'll drag out the dead, and we'll kind of talk about a few of the songs that we haven't mentioned yet, because maybe they're not worth mentioning, and maybe no. we can talk a little bit about that. So what are um, some songs that you just can't can't get out of this episode without talking about? So I think we need to talk about
1: Home, or at least I need to talk about Home. Um, yeah. I'm honestly disappointed that didn't make the American re- release album. It's a very simplistic song. Um, There's just, you know, kind of a whining guitar in the background, some very simple drums, and just Trent Reznor singing. I think it's the perfect companion piece to uh Beside You in Time though. I think oh, yeah. Beside You in Time is, you know, maybe the loved one that's passed away and Home is the the one that's still here trying to trying to deal with all of it. Um yeah. that's why I said earlier that I think it should have closed with Home so you kind of got that depressing like he's by himself now and then right or uh, Beside You in Time as that hey Proceding, you know they left it. you but they're still there with you um
2: yeah this is one of of all the b-sides and weird remixes and eps and so i mean short little aside uh for those of you that don't know nine inch nails labels all of their releases uh, as a numbered release uh And it's always called Halo something. Halo, like their very first release was Halo 1, second release Halo 2, third release Halo 3, and so on. And there are Um, now
0: 28 Halos. 28.
2: Uh, With Teeth is Halo 19. Uh, It is the fourth studio album. So that gives you an idea of how many minor releases there have been between now and then. Um, And this is one of the first B-sides that, you know in their discography to this point that i feel absolutely belongs on the you know the u.s popularized release of the
0: album uh clark have you have you heard home i honestly guys i don't think so and i i wish i had now (laughs) because i'm listening to you guys talk about it and i'm like well i don't just want to like listen to it as they're talking because i don't feel like i'd get the real experience but uh, I will definitely be putting it on yeah. ASAP because I'm looking at the lyrics and it's beautiful. It's um, it's not a love song. Well, it's a love song, but it's it's a very non-traditional love song just mm-hmm. based on the lyrics.
2: I don't think he's trying to be cheesy with it, but it like it's almost <laughs> cheesy because it makes it so universal. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, talking about other songs that we wanted to, you know, that we just can't leave behind. I'm gonna go ahead. You know, Seamus, you're probably gonna hate me oh boy um, <laughs> oh boy all right clark you're gonna be like okay um <laughs> but i really like the collector oh uh, I thought yeah for sure. thought, you're right I, I thought that was gonna <laughs> be in the dead pile for sure i i like the collector uh lyrics simplistic meaning pretty clear uh instrumentally pretty boring <laughs> some reason i like this song it's like for the same reasons i don't like every day is exactly the same i like the collector what's your favorite part of it um when the chorus for sure got some strong like simplistic yet really crunchy guitar riffs um and it's got like a drum line that josh freeze could could absolutely nail which he does on the tour um you know i i don't know it's got
0: it's got the elements that i like about a rocky nine-inch song though this does show a different version of trent where this is trent the storyteller where he's pretty much talking at you about what he is, who he is, what's going on. And I think he does this the same in like getting smaller where yeah. he's singing, but like,
2: he's, he's singing pretty about much himself just... to the listener.
0: Yeah. And he's almost speaking it. Like he's yeah. telling a story. I mean, he says, I am a big
2: boy. I will swallow it all. It's like, there's something about it that I just appreciate. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like, I'm, I'm 95% sure I'm straight. You appreciate a big boys falling <laughs> at all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's Trent, apparently.
0: So <laughs> okay, you caught
1: me. The Collector, I will say, the only redeeming part of that song is that outro, like you guys were talking about. I do like that that piano, that dissonance. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, man, uh, I just, I do <laughs> not, that's one of my least favorite songs, and I'm including uh, Riley, you'll understand this reference, like Fixed, that album on there. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> it's, oh it's, boy it's low on the totem pole for me wait you're oh like every day is exactly the same remix number six like it's blown what about out what one. about all the perfect
2: drug remixes <laughs> yeah
1: exactly
2: fix is one of the best
0: worst albums of all time <laughs> um so let's uh, i guess uh with the collector being done let's talk about the best worst songs on this album so we i feel like we have two songs to talk about here okay I feel like we need to
2: vote on these two songs, which is the best of the worst. <laughs> okay. Um, because I think we've all agreed on the two worst songs. The Line Begins to Blur, mm. and Love is Not Enough. Mm.
1: So I love The Line Begins to Blur, and I will fight you on that one. I just felt like well you then, guys well like then that, let's, that
0: one. Let's talk about Line Begins to Blur. Let's do it. Yeah, what's what part, what part uh, do you like most about it?
1: The outro. When we get the uh, full-on piano... The weird bass, Trent Reznor <laughs> going
3: ah. <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah. I think the transition between that one into Sunspot, or not Sunspots, uh, Besides You and Time is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's really good. Like, it's almost like it's meant to transition to each other, which, I mean, yeah. generally on an album, that's usually how you want your songs to be. But the beats are pretty great. Like, on Demon Days, where all the songs just kind of transition to each other at the end. Yeah. I feel like that yeah, happens yeah. with uh, Line Begins to Blur and Beside You and Time.
0: Yeah. So well, I feel like part of the problem with uh, this song is there's no real chorus to it. I guess I guess it just feels like a lot of verses put together, I feel which like, is fine.
1: Yeah, the only chorus is, you know, The Line Begins to Blur, which is the song title, but...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to just take a listen real quick. Um, I think there's a culmination kind of where Seamus is talking about here at about 3 minutes and 20 seconds, um, where... The outro, instrumental, and the vocals kind of all come together. Let's just take a listen real quick before we talk about it.
0: That is the value of the song for sure. Uh, well, the guitar tone is amazing. Yeah, I will say,
2: and that's every part of that. I feel like we've said this about every single <laughs> section of this album that we've talked about. But every part of that song is stereotypical Nine Nails. Yeah, yeah, very it's much. It's like so. it's it's guitar that like if you looked up the like if you were 14 mm-hmm. years old and wanted to learn how to play the guitar and you looked up tabs to line begins to blur. You'd be like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like two chords. You know, like, <laughs> but it sounds like so much more. The guitar is a completely different instrument than it is in normal in other rock bands when, it, when Nine Inch Nails utilizes it.
0: So I don't know if this was just written a year or two or three or four or five or six years before all the other songs, but this was not written from a healthy place at all. Yeah, and
2: it, it's nice to, I, it, I suppose it is nice to have that, that feeling come from a couple of the songs on this album because you don't want it all to be reformed. Um, you want some torture.
0: You want want some residual (laughs)
2: torture left. Yeah. I
0: mean, it doesn't stick out if you listen to the album and it's just in the background, which I know is insulting to Trent Reznor, but still it's not like this song sticks out and you're like, Oh, what is this song? Skip. Uh, it's just, it's just not as interesting. It's just there. It's literally just there.
2: So that leaves us with one song that none of us like, um, (laughs) which is love is not enough. And, and to be fair to, to our listeners, um, Anything, anything from Nine Channels that I say I don't like, I like exponentially more than any other music I've ever heard. Before. <laughs> it's a sliding scale. It's, yeah. it's... like this it's is better than curve. any other song I've ever heard from any <laughs> other band. Um,
1: I mean, I, I legitimately have nothing for this song. I, it's like literally. The song I skip every time I listen to this album.
0: I I think this is another one where it's probably in a different time signature because it feels like it kind of drags. If you listen to just the drums, or if you... When you listen to this next part, just kind of focus on the drums... These are clearly not Dave Grohl drums. Like, this feels like someone's just kind of like sliding and it's a little bit waltzy, which makes me think that maybe it's in a different uh, time signature but that kind of leads the whole song to feeling like it's dragging and the drum line that could have saved it or could have made it interesting just made it even more boring.
3: Mm -hmm. I absolutely
0: agree. Again, I don't have notes on this either. I don't have
1: anything to say about this song. I just don't.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's so, it's,
2: I feel like lyrically, it's so straightforward that there's not a whole lot to say.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Like some of the lyrics, um, the closer we think we are, well, it only got us so far. Have you got anything left to show? No, no, I didn't think so. Yeah. I like that. Those are the lyrics that stick
1: out in <laughs> my mind whenever I think of that song. Like, yeah, I, I'll sing along to no, no, I didn't think so. Like that's the I do thing. like that. Yeah.
0: So now that the dead have been thoroughly dragged out and beaten uh, in the sunlight. Can I just. Say something real quick. I feel like
1: we didn't give the album title. Let's do "With Teeth." We talked about it briefly. We did not talk about the song at all, though.
2: Sure, that's pretty true. And I,
1: I want to talk about the song because it's a great song.
2: Did you? uh, Fun fact. Um, for the, for my first like. Oh, year, so of having this album, (laughs) I thought that from three minutes, um, when the interlude kicks in Mm -hmm. until about four and a half minutes like the piano part (laughs) was actually no sound (laughs) i had never turned it up loud enough to actually hear what's going on in the background which kind of defines this
0: song i'll play a snippet of what he's talking about just so you guys can hear
2: I didn't know that existed for the first like probably like 23
0: months of having this album so (laughs) you missed that big part of it but i guess what is obvious about the song that's hard to miss is this is very clearly about drugs oh absolutely like even though it's saying she comes along she rides along or whatever it's like nope this is this is about drugs nothing but drugs
1: (laughs) yeah exactly he enunciates with teeth like, oh, crazily yeah. and with, like, with the teeth. With the teeth. Uh. The teeth the... Um, <laughs> but, I mean, we were talking about Trent using his voice as an instrument. And his emphasis on certain words as instruments. Mm-hmm. With teeth is, like, it, the most enunciated thing in this entire album. Like, to the point of just being ridiculous.
0: And, yeah, and it's the album title. I,
1: for the longest yeah. time, I thought it was with the teeth. But, it, no, it's just with the teeth, the... Uh. Uh, yeah. But that's
0: how much he's... He's adding syllables, but so yeah, there are exactly. no syllables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why wasn't this a single, is what I want to know.
1: I think a lot of people would have had that same experience Riley did. Like, why is the song just silent for a full 30, seconds? Yeah, but there seconds? could be a radio edit,
0: right?
2: True. That's a good point. And the other singles. I mean, only... And even everybody's favorite every day is exactly the same. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway... Uh, I, they just they fit so much better with what what rock radio stations were looking for in two thousand and five and two thousand and six, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. then with teeth is is industrial, like like yeah. I was mentioning earlier, you know it's um when we were talking about it briefly it it's got those rock elements that become more prevalent in with teeth in the album, mm-hmm. but it's still got that overall industrial feel of like. I mean, I would say even Downward Spiral Industrial era,
3: you yeah, know, it's yeah. just got
2: that darker kind of weird feeling to it, um, which I—that's what to me—that's what makes it a good song. Is mm-hmm. it's just like it's a culmination of of two different eras of Nine Inch Nails put together.
1: So every song on this album has been played live except for Sunspots. Which is a bummer, but I get it because that is probably the most vocally challenging song in terms of all the notes and the range he hits. But every other song has been played yeah. live. Um which I think And his s-
0: vocals are so layered.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which I think kind of speaks to the commercial appeal of this album. Um the fact that he's comfortable being like, Yeah, I'm gonna play this all on tour and people will love it, people will know it, that kind of stuff uh i also think this is his most profanity laced album i read something but i can't find it right now um he uses the word fuck 30 times or something like that
0: and so most I... of that isn't only <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's
2: funny you know you think of 9 Inch nails as like this band that you were never allowed to listen to as a kid because their lyrics were so profane but mm-hmm. not really yeah I mean, it's pretty sparing um Except this album apparently is—it's fairly prevalent, but I don't even notice anymore because mm-hmm. I've just—I've adopted the with teeth lifestyle. Um, I put this in the top five
1: releases. <laughs> okay, well, there's been like um, five major albums, so
3: <laughs> there's been eight,
2: uh, and I'm including EPs. Uh, I don't think it has a place in my top three. It's interesting because some of the songs like. Two or three of the songs definitely come out as top five Nine Inch Nails songs for sure. But the album as a whole, um, I think they're much better. Uh, but that's not to say that I don't appreciate the gravity that this song has as far as Nine Inch Nails' existence in the
1: music world. I mean, we all come into this band at very different, like very volatile stages of our lives, and we're all grabbing something. Different from it, um, mm-hmm. maybe in Clark's case, it's not as you know visceral. intense and visceral exactly as maybe Riley and I. No,
0: Ghosts was pure therapy for me. I needed Ghosts. When I found Ghosts, it was it was the only album that could help me through that current phase of my life. There you
1: go. I mean, that's it's pretty crazy to me. So Riley got in with uh, what? Downward Spiral. Riley. Downward Spiral
2: was my first. Yeah, my first, my first love, my first true love was Downward Spiral when uh, I was oh well, let's see I was 13 years old what I try and convince people of that aren't Nine Inch Nails fans and they refuse to believe me but I think there's a Nine Inch Nails song for everybody mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they have such a varying wide range of sound um, that I think that's what allowed all three of us to get completely
1: enveloped by this band at different stages in our life I think in terms of, you know, instrumental, being able to play, Trent's not the best. Lyricism, Trent's not the best. Passion, however, for me at least, yeah, Trent is yeah. the best. best. And that's what mm-hmm. has drawn me into being a Nine Nails fan. That's why they're my favorite band of all time. That's why I've seen them five or six times live. We'll continue to see them as long as Trent keeps touring. We'll continue to support them. Uh, it's just been... Uh, a band that has shaped me as I've grown oh, um, yeah. and that's rare and that's really important um, I think everyone needs music or a book or some other kind of medium to help them kind of understand who they are and where they are in the world uh, and Nine Inch yeah. Nails is that medium for me
2: I think that he takes his own very specific very um, very personal struggle that he's been working with and keeps the spectrum so broad that other people can connect to it on different levels, like we've, you know, like we've just proven by talking about all these songs in different lights and um, and how they they fit into our lives differently, even even the same songs applying differently to our own lives. Um, I think that's just that's just uh, knowing your audience, being able to keep it a universal message, and and that's that's in the spirit of music, and that's why I think Trent is such an important. Figure in music is because he's able to connect with so many people on such a visceral, if you will, on such a visceral <laughs> level. Um,
0: and well, I think I think that's a great way to put it, Riley. And um, I think that's a great place to great place to uh, leave off. So, um, thank you so much for joining us today, Seamus. As we talk about with teeth. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Uh, yeah because
2: i'm listening to the acoustic version of right where it belongs right now and like while we're (laughs) saying goodbye i I Uh, might just cry a little bit i might just cry uh, a little bit on this outro
0: well (laughs) we're
2: kind of used to that from you riley Riley, (laughs) go fuck yourself
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for your input your knowledge of trent it's great um this is the first of many times you'll hear riley talk about nine inch nails we're going to try a few different formats we're going to try um not necessarily album by album, but we're going to try maybe some different approaches to Nine Inch Nails. Because really, when you talk about, as as you've heard, um, Nine Inch Nails is really hard to talk about one album at a time. It's really yeah. hard to do that. Uh, you know, so we kind of want to bring control. you Nine Inch Nails. Um, we want to introduce more as the concepts, as concepts, so we can be more fluid between the albums. So um, look forward to that. Also, our next episode, we're going to do another compilation episode because we had so much fun. Um, oh god yeah so this time around we're doing the best or not the best but our favorite songs of 2016 so far um so it's it's mostly going to be just riley and i's and maybe a guest's uh favorite picks but we would love to hear yours as well so (laughs) uh and spoiler alert
2: uh nails has not released anything in 2016 so it's not gonna be them
0: yeah it's not gonna be that yet but uh why don't you tell us where they can um Uh, get a hold of us not actually true (laughs) Riley. they did release juno couple weeks oh back. true
2: but that's right resident Alex frost that's not nice All right, touche. <laughs> fair enough um, yeah if you, yeah, if you guys want to input you know if you if you feel pretty strongly about a release so far this year please come visit us at secret weapons secret <clears throat> please come visit us at secret weapons productionscom um, and uh, slash echo on there and that'll get you to our specific page you can email us from there Uh... Tweet at me at uh, at Echo Pod, uh, yep. or uh, on Facebook, and, of course. Into the Echo on Facebook, leave us a message there. Uh, anything you want to do, uh, send us a letter. I don't know. I don't really want to give you our addresses, but just <laughs> yeah, just address it to Into the Echo, and it will find its way. Um, yeah,
0: exactly. Or take a picture and email it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are no wrong answers there. Any music no. you guys yeah. want to send, send it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and we'd and... be happy
0: to talk about it. Um, and, that's, and if that's you send it, part. we will talk about it. Like mm-hmm. we're not, we're okay with that. We're willing to talk about what you guys pick too. And even if it is a Taylor Swift song, that's fine. Uh, just don't necessarily expect us to agree with it, but we will definitely talk about it. Yep,
2: absolutely. And that's that's what kind of makes the whole feeling of this podcast. So we're we're relying on relying on you guys. Um, although. You know, if you don't want input, then you're just stuck with hearing Clark and I talk about our favorite music, which I'm sure <sighs> some of you hate. So, uh, please stop that. Stop that train. You have the power. Um, <laughs> but the Clark and Riley train rolls pretty hard sometimes. So just
0: <laughs> it does. All
3: right. Just put well, thanks the for riding along with us, guys. Else.
0: Yeah, been a pleasure, guys. Thank All you. All right. Thanks, you guys. Have a good night.